You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, and this is your daily Star Trek news from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. On today's show, Star Trek.com's artist Rob DeHart talks about queer representation in Star Trek. The U.S. Air Force Academy hands out George Takei's memoir, They Called Us Enemy, to cadets. And I've got this week's Star Trek history. I'm Allison Pitt, and today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month of counseling at betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. As Pride Month draws to a close, StarTrek.com sat down for a conversation with their resident artist, Rob DeHart, to discuss his observations on queer representation in Star Trek, as well as his new collection in the Star Trek store, featuring designs that celebrate fandom and the LGBT community. While the latest generation of Trek shows features characters who are openly gay, non-binary, and trans, in the interview, DeHart also points out subtextual themes of queer representation in older series that speak powerfully to him. I think one of my favorite things when it comes to representation would be the trill species, he says, because they don't put limits on the hosts. Whenever a symbiont is attached to a host, they become something new. The idea in the story is of gender fluidity and same-sex relation and just general openness when it comes to acceptance. DeHart, who points to Voyager as his first contact with the franchise, also sees subtext in Seven of Nine's character during that series, a subtext which has come to the surface now in Star Trek Picard. When you watch it the first time, you don't think about it, he shared, but then when you go back and you watch and observe and you pay more attention, you're like, I see it. He points to a similar subtext with Bashir and Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, adding, it makes you feel seen a little bit, even if it's not explicitly stated. The Star Trek store says this of DeHart's new collection. From the ambassadors of queer adult short sleeve t-shirt to the warp speed proud phone case, this collection has something for every Star Trek fan. You can check it out at shop.startrek.com and you can see more art by Rob DeHart on his website at robdehart.com. George Takei's They Called Us Enemy is the latest book to be distributed at the United States Air Force Academy as part of their One Book, One USAFA program. The program aims to create a shared cultural experience at the military institution among basic and returning cadets, senior leaders, trainers, and more. The One Book, One USAFA program originated in the summer of 2020 with the novel Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. NBC News reported on Tuesday that the Dean of the Air Force Academy, Brigadier General Linnell Latondra, shared her excitement for this year's program on Instagram, with a picture of an incoming cadet holding up the graphic novel. She captioned the photo, Welcome, Class of 2025. We are so excited for this year's one book, one USAFA read, They Called Us Enemy. In a separate post, she added, Our shared institutional read this year focused on dignity and respect. We are getting our basics ready for what's ahead. 
They Called Us Enemy is George Takei's award-winning story of his experiences as a young child in the Japanese-American internment camps in the United States in World War II. Back in 2019, when the book was first released, Takei told fans at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis that he hoped the book, and particularly its graphic novel format, would reach across generations. Every time I share these moments from my childhood, he said, people are astounded and shocked that something like this happened in the United States. I thought of myself as a young boy, and I thought a comic book would be a good way to reach young people today, because they're going to be the voters and movers and shakers of tomorrow. If you'd like to read They Call Us Enemy for Yourself, you can pick it up today at bookshop.org, amazon.com, or wherever you get your books. Now in just a moment, I'll be taking you back in time to find out what happened this week in Star Trek history. But first, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist, someone who you can connect to in a way that suits you. Here's how it works. When you sign up for BetterHelp, you'll fill out a questionnaire that helps them match you with someone who specializes in providing the care that you need. Depression and anxiety, relationships and anger issues are just some of the things that they can help you with. And of course, anything you share with your counselor is confidential. And it's convenient too. When I joined BetterHelp, I joined on the web, but I downloaded their app too so I can message my counselor when it works for me. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a Daily Star Trek news listener, you can get 10% off your first month of counseling by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. And now a look back into Star Trek history. It was today, June 30th, back in 1938, that Jerry Taylor was born. Taylor is best known to Star Trek fans as a producer on multiple Star Trek series. She was a supervising producer beginning in the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation, then moving into the position of co-executive producer for its sixth season, and eventually executive producer and showrunner for its seventh and final season. She continued to assist with production for the films Star Trek Generations and Star Trek First Contact. During the final season of Next Gen, Taylor worked to develop Star Trek Voyager with Rick Berman and Michael Piller. And she joined the staff of that show as executive producer with Rick Berman for its first four seasons. Now, Taylor's career began prior to Star Trek as a scriptwriter for television shows such as The Incredible Hulk, Little House on the Prairie, Jake and the Fat Man, and Quincy M.E. And it was another writer on that show, Lee Sheldon, who recommended her to the Trek producers. Taylor retired in 1998, handing the reins of Voyager over to Brandon Braga, though she continued to act as a creative consultant for the rest of the series' run. She's also written three Star Trek novels, the novelization of Next Gen's Unification Parts 1 and 2, Mosaic, and Pathways. A large collection of her script writing work, including outlines, technical notes, casting sheets, and of course scripts, are currently housed at the Lilly Library of Indiana University. Please join us here at Daily Star Trek News and wishing Jerry Taylor a very happy 83rd birthday. Well, that's it for today's Daily Star Trek News from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. 
Don't forget to check out the other great shows on the network at podcasts.roddenberry.com. Daily Star Trek News is produced by me, Allison Pitt, and written by Chris Peterson and Jack Brown, with history by T. Rick Jones. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month of counseling at betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. I'm back tomorrow with more of the Star Trek news you need to know and the next two weeks of Star Trek events. (laughs) I'm Allison Pitt. Live long and prosper. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.